<laughs> oh man, this is so weird being on this side. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure it is. I am not an audio person, so. I wasn't either. <laughs> Desperate times. <laughs> okay. So um, thank you, Ambi, for inviting me and for having me on to On the Record. I'm sorry my um, post is not super journalistic in nature, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to ask you some questions to be on the record with Ambi, but not Ambi as the podcaster, but Ambi as the interviewee, which yeah. is cool. Because I, is. I feel like everyone at Merrill in person or through Twitter knows you. Um, like everyone that I follow on Twitter, it's like, oh, they also follow Ambi. Or somebody will be telling a story and they're like, Ambi was there. And it's just like, it seems like you're an integral part of the little Merrill life. Um, so, I mean, has that always been the case? Like, are you always the center of the friend group of the school, of the community, is that just who you are? Or is it like you love Meryl so much? So you just became the hype woman when you stepped in. Oh man. Um, so I entered Meryl um, when I was a junior, well, no, wait, I was a sophomore, my bad. So I was at um, Montgomery College. So I was studying community college in Montgomery County. And that was my freshman year, then my sophomore year. I um, decided to take classes at Maryland and try to get ahead with the Merrill, like, you know, um, basic journalism classes, pre-recognition you had to take. And um, I took 200 and I loved it. And I made, you know, number of friends there. And, but I wasn't a full-time student at Maryland. So it kind of like hurt me because I couldn't hang out with people. Like I would invite me to like study groups and stuff like that. And I was like, I can't go. Like I'm all the way back in Montgomery County with no car. So I can't really like go to campus to hang out with everyone and cry about our future exams. But, but you know, I ended up you know, making friends. And then I, when I came full time, people already kind of knew me. And I just kind of expanded myself through Twitter and like, you know, going to publication meetings and like meeting as many people as I can peer-wise through my classes, whatever, um, and try to, you know, be as helpful as I can, be as nice as I can and be like the hype woman. You know, I retweet everyone's articles, retweets, like um, I'll comment on everyone's things. Like I will go above and beyond for Meryl because I do love Meryl. And like, I love how you say Meryl hype woman. I feel like that that should be like, that should be my statement right there. <laughs> that should be just your title for forever. It's just like insert yes. here. I will put that on my resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I just think that's so cool that that's who you are and that's who you've made yourself in this situation. I mean, is that like part of a deeper set of values for you? Like you feel it's important to encourage other people to reach out to other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, those are like, I think one of my biggest, biggest things about me is I want to be as nice of a person as I can. And I want that niceness to, you know, pay it forward kind of thing. And um, I want, I'm someone who, I, lo I love attention. So, 
so I love you know when like I get to like make a new friend and like I get to hype them up and um just really like be part of a community because when I was at community college I had you know some friends and I had some friends who were all the way in college park or other you know different universities I was like a loner but also like not really a loner um and when I got to Merrill I made it my mission to like make as many friends as I possibly could and really have all those memories with me so I have you know people I can reach out to you know um so I hope that answers your question yeah yeah I mean I know personally I can attest to this because I think you followed me on Twitter and I followed you back and it was around like a couple years ago like 262 maybe like early in the multimedia broadcast realm like you would reply to my photos and be like, that's so beautiful. And it was so meaningful because as journalists, we pick apart our every word and our every image. And so I'm like, oh, it's a little too, too purple of an image or a little too greed. It's like, no, but Ambie thinks it's awesome. So it's awesome. And then I finally met you at, it feels like forever ago, but it was only like a year ago, um, the Dave Jorgensen event. Yeah, the TikTok event. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the Washington Post TikTok guy, it was such like a neat event to, um, to meet you. And that just seems so long ago, but <laughs> no, it was literally a year ago. Yeah. But it was the, the pre-pandemic days. It was the February before the March, but yeah. um, all that to say is you, you really do make a lasting impact on people, which is something I, I truly admire. So, I mean, think, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, so do you think this sort of like encouragement, positivity, do you think that will help you in your future workplace? Like, do you think that's an attitude that other journalists need to adopt instead of sort of the sarcasm we all love to rely on of, after covering a hard story? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, being the nicest person um people will remember that and I've had you know like you know myself doing comedy I've had like I've connected with so many comedians as well and they're like yeah I just remember you because you're probably like the person who retweets all of my tweets or the person who likes all my Instagram stories or shares my Instagram stories and kind of like yeah I do that I just spend a way a lot of time on social media and I probably should um but you know I think it's that helps you know someone take a leaf forward because people will remember you that way you know I actually got booked on a few shows because you're like you're so supportive and you're not getting enough credit so I'm gonna book you on my show and you'll be paid too and I was like okay yay um and the same thing that's happened to my journalism life is that I like got you know internships etc because like you're just a warm person you're a nice person and they're like, I like contacted your references and they're just like, yeah, she's a joy to be around. And I'm just like, yay. It's a good, a good perk. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I definitely, I definitely, then. <laughs> yeah, I definitely yeah. think, um, you know, uh, I feel like there's always this like stereotype that journalists are very like, you know, mean, hardcore kind of like things like only want the story only for the truth. Like this, this human behind that. And I like to reflect the human part of being a journalist or a comedian. Yeah. 
I really, I really think that's true. I think you do embody that. And going off of your reference to comedy, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because we're on the record with Ambie right now, but there's another comedian podcast, which I would never be on because I'm not, I have no stage presence. But um, can you tell me a little bit more about that other side yeah. of your comedy side yeah. of how that plays with journalism? Yeah, so um, I started, so when I was a junior, I took a class at UMD called uh, Women in Comedy. And it talks about the history, um, the theory of things, the practice of it. So the end semester, your final grade was performing comedy in front of your classmates. Oh, wow. Uh, I was very nervous because I never did stand up before. I never, you know, I watched stand up. And I grew up with a family who loved Seinfeld and et cetera. And um, I was like, oh, I had to perform, you know, five minutes of comedy in front of people I got to know over the semester. Uh, all right, I'll take a chance. And I did it. And I literally fell in love with it. And I just got such a high for it that I ended up starting going to Milk Boy when that was around. <laughs> and I started going to open mics pretty much every week. I was a regular. And I just, like, loved the vibe that was there and I was like I want to do more of this and I felt that while I'd milk boy there wasn't enough women and enough you know support for women comics so I ended up starting the hysterics which is Maryland's all women and now all women and non-binary comedy group in Maryland and that was a joy to like create and like just you know be around you know comics who want to be more on women's supportive spaces. And I was extremely grateful that, you know, UMD has a huge, huge comedy space. And I was extremely grateful to be part of that. Um, since then I've started like, you know, doing shows in DC and like um, ended up like having a podcast where I interview comedians who have network with over the past, um, over the past year or so and interviewing them, talking about like who they are um, off stage kind of thing and I'm someone like as a journalist I like to interview people and like get to know their story kind of thing so I'm, I feel like I'm kind of using all of my skills I learned at Merrill in both my podcasts and kind of like dissecting um, a person and really getting to know them who they are kind of thing and I just I love that um, and I recently started getting to more into like production side of comedy so I have now an internship at a uh, local comedy uh, club in Silver Spring, Maryland, where I help out with their marketing and production stuff. And it's, it's been fun to do that. So I, I've done a lot with comedy, but it's always like intersected a little bit with journalism. Very cool. So what, you had mentioned the issues of women in comedy having to create your own space essentially for women in non-binary comic, non excuse me, um, women in non-binary comics. Um, so why do you feel that that space is needed? Is it difficult for women to break in as far as the clubs go? Do they just not hire women? Is it hard? So the crowds, where does that struggle come from? Yeah. yeah. So when I was in Milk Boy specifically, um, there would be a lineup of like 12 to 15 comics you know, for the night. And we would sign up like half an hour, an hour before, before the show. And 
most of the time I would be either with the only one or two comics um and that like as a woman and I was kind of like why is there not more women I remember specifically for uh women's day in March uh the uh host founder guy John he like messaged you know everyone who's kind of like I need women comics for this one show we're having and you know people could attend some people couldn't attend like I myself couldn't attend I had another event but um I think it was so interesting he was struggling to find comedians to participate in this one show that was dedicated to women so I think um having that space and could really help you know situations like that and you know one of my things was that I really want to increase people's confidence because when I started doing stand-up I was not very confident and when I you know took the leap of faith and started going to open mics and all my confidence raised I got better I know I took you know bombing the set you know as a good thing not as a bad thing so you know I think having those spaces has been really important for women because you know as the hysterics we uh raised women's like we raised the confidence of our members you know from where they started you know you could ask uh anyone remembers be like yeah I didn't know what I was doing but now I understand what I'm doing because we teach them we go through the steps I show them I um bring in professional comedians from Los Angeles to come on a zoom call and talk about their experience and I try to do as much as that as possible so they when they go out in the world or when they you know if they decide to continue a comedy they were like oh I know what I'm doing because you know, I had that experience while in college. Wow. Your sense of encouragement really transcends all that you do. I mean, that's really neat. And especially you touched on the role of having those female mentors who understand the struggle and can sort of offer something a little bit different to women who are trying to get into a space that's primarily white, male, non-diverse. Exactly. Like even um, I, when I first started the hysterics, I ended up connecting to a lot of comedians. And I, I literally sat through on Instagram, DMing comedians from all over, asking if they'd be like a mentor, a sponsor situation. Um, some of them did give back to me, like uh, Nikki Glazer, and she really liked the idea of it. So she's kind of like, I'm gonna take a leap of faith and ask you guys to open for me in DC. And we were like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> and um, that, that you know, we ended up going to DC for our very first time, you know, and opening for her. And that was a really surreal experience to have. Wow. So just, you know, women support other women. Um, and it's, it's been great. That's such an amazing story just of you guys Again, just finding that support within each other and with Nikki as well. So we've touched on your role in social media, your internship, your love for comedy, where, it's the question you always hate to hear in the interview, but where do you see yourself in the future? Do you want to find a space that fits all those together? Or is one going to be your Friday night hobby and one year nine to five? What does the future look like for Ambi in a perfect world? 
Oh man, that's a great question. I get, I ask myself this question quite often, uh, <laughs> probably more than my parents. Um, so my ideal perfect world is that I'm able to come back to Merrill, work in the communications side of Merrill, or teach at Merrill, something to do with Merrill, um, as well as teaching uh, the woman in comedy class that I mentioned before. So that recently, like, it died because uh, the professor had to move on to a different position and they had to, you know, you know whatever administration stuff they, they had to do. So they took away the class. And I want to bring that class back really, really badly. Um, so that that would be great. Um, we'll see. Hopefully I can still perform and produce on the side of things. That would be nice. But... Um, I, I founded like I really like education and being part of like a school system especially since like my time at college was cut short because of COVID and all so you know being able to come back to Maryland would be really awesome. What so you want to teach the women in comics class is there anything else that you want to teach more on the you had mentioned the communication side? Um, I think one of my other favorite classes I had at Merrill was Alex Piles' uh, social media class. And I I love that class so much. And I I told Alex, I was like, I'm gonna be you. And he started laughing. He's like, you could do so much better. <laughs> um, so basically I want to be like the female version of Alex Piles. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a good dream to strive for. That's yeah. <laughs> a, that's a very specific dream, but very cool. Um so if you could off the top of your head, if you could design your perfect lesson for the social media class and for the women in comics class, what would you teach? What would you have your students do? Ooh, that's a really good question. Oh man, okay. So I think for the social media class, I think I would have them go out and um, go out into the world, go out on the campus, whatever, and bring back you know, a photo and you know something to do with like how can you put this in a social media graphic or like something to do with that because I I, I fell in love with like graphics and like creating graphics during my time with CNS and like working with Alex Piles and kind of like I don't know what I'm doing and he kind of like sat down and like taught me like here's a basis of graphics and here's what you do how do you create one etc and I was extremely grateful for that and I ended up really, really loving that so I created started creating more and more that was really fun so I would love them to kind of do something with that um and I think you know the biggest thing with journalists is really going out into the world experiencing the world going out into campus I think one of my favorite things in 320 was that when my professor would cut class short and be like okay go outside go out on campus at eight in the morning and go talk to someone go talk to someone and write you know whatever you want and come back to me and I'd be like yes I'm excited to do that I want to do more of that um, so I would have my students do that for that. And I think for the women in comedy class, I would have them kind of like listen to stand up and kind of like really sit down, like listen to it and be like, okay, why is that funny? Dissect it kind of thing. And I would also want to bring in like comics I've met, especially in the DC area and, you know, have them do like a Q&A kind of thing and maybe even take them to a comedy club that's allowed. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about the Merrill classes. We were two different students because that always made me so nervous. And maybe that's why I went with more of a non-journalistic position. But that was always so scary to me was like, we have a deadline. We have to get something done starting at just nothing. And we have to build something, whether it's a photo, a story, a video. I would much rather, I think I'd much rather take your comedy class, even though I know nothing about comedy, and sit and listen and dissect and read. That sounds really nice. But I think you would do a great job with both of them. Oh, thanks. You would just push the students like me out of their comfort zone. Exactly. So, so would you want to stay at Merrill for the rest of your perfect career or would you want to travel to a different part of the country, of the world, do some reporting here and there? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I've grown up in Maryland my whole life. I was born and raised in Maryland. So I think I think maybe it'd be nice to like explore other places too, you know, get out of my comfort zone myself and kind of like explore the world. Um, if you, you see behind me, I have a map. So. Oh, what's, like, your, what's on your map? Are you, are you one of those people that does like the scratch off? Like I've been here. So I really want one of those. Um, I want to get like a bigger map kind of thing and scratch it off. But the map I have right now behind me, I just have like a very simple map. And I put like little, you know, pinpoint dots push them thingies, whatever you call them. Um, and I put like the places I travel to, places I want to travel. I have like a, you know, before I die less kind of thing of places I want to go. Um, so I would love to like experience that and travel more. That's very cool. So what's your like, what's your top? Like if I could go here, what's on the top of Ambie's travel list? Ooh, so when I was making plans with my parents for graduation, like, before COVID and all, we had made plans to either explore um, like Australia and like New Zealand because I'm a very big Lord of the Rings fan kind of thing. Oh yeah, like Same. The Hobbit. And so, yeah, so like, I would love to go to New Zealand and experience like the Shire and all. I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And uh, I would love to like you know do that. I have family in Australia who I like met like once. So I would love to go back and like, you know, see their lives in Australia and really experience that. Um, I think that's like the top of my list right now. If I were like, COVID wasn't a thing, I would fly to Australia and New Zealand like right now. That's so neat. I feel like I'm a bad interviewee because I'm ending every question with wow, or like, that's so awesome, or that's so cool. But it really, it's a natural reaction and it's a podcast. So um, that is very... That's so, so very cool. I wish I had family in Australia and could go to Australia. So just to, now that we've done sort of a scope of your interest, your journey at Merrill, I have just a short little lightning round of questions to ask. So just like first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Like Coke or Pepsi, but open-ended questions. So what is your favorite story or photo or social media graphic that you've ever done? Ooh, oh man, that's a good, 
I think I asked you that on your Instagram story. Yeah, and I didn't have an answer because I am horrible with organization and it usually just gets deleted and it always has the same file name. It's a disgrace to everything that Bethany Swain has ever taught me ever. But I don't save and I don't really organize. It just sort of lives somewhere on my laptop till I cleared away because my computer's running slow. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, oh man, I would, okay, I think I'm gonna say when I did a story for CNS on college parts like Spider-Man and I, I had, I had like, I really nerded out on it. I was like so excited. I literally, I just thought I started making the graphics before I even talked to Alex. I got so excited. I like truly, I think I was like, and that was probably the most proud of thing I did like at CNS. I was like, excitement. I was able to bring Marvel to CNS. That's yeah, it's there's so many characters on a college campus that you're like, man, these people don't exist in the real in the real world. The Spider-Man guy. The guy who has his cat on a leash, there's yes. so <laughs> and they just all sort of congregate on the mall. It's like you yeah. just pick the pick the oddity of the day. All very nice, interesting people, but only on a college campus can you find so many people with a unique identifier as the Spider-Man guy, the cat guy, the squirrel guy, the ukulele guy, you know. Um so in a similar vein. What is your favorite Meryl memory? So late night studying, strange story, deadline, craziness. Oh man. Um hmm. I think my favorite memor- my favorite Meryl memory has to be when I first came to Meryl. I think so I had a really early so when I first came to Meryl, I had to take the bus for you know commuting campuses and I took the bus um the Gettysburg bus and I had to wake up like a 5 a.m for my 9 a.m class which was rough I don't know how I did that um and I remember I would come in really early and either I would fall asleep on the Merrill couches like I would be like really passed out (laughs) (laughs) and then or I would hang out with Fatima and Jesse who were like the first two like Meryl friends I like ever made. And there were also commuters. So we would all come like really early and get coffee and kind of like sit and like do homework together or something like that in like the early mornings before class. And I was like, really what, probably one of my favorite memories. Um, I think my other favorite memory is that during the pandemic, like, like April-ish, um, there was a bingo template and I ended up making one for Meryl. And I ended up really enjoying that because I kind of went viral between Meryl and I was like, oh shit, it was too much fun to make. I I remember doing your bingo card and sharing it. That was a very unique way to find some joy in the COVID. And I love your first memory too, because that's such a unique college campus experience. And yeah. I'm an early riser, so I naturally get up at 5 a.m. and it's so interesting to see college the campus of maryland before everyone else gets up yeah yes i love i think some of my favorite memories like in general i think would be like um coming to campus really early and watching the sunrise 
It's lovely. Okay, switching gears. What is your favorite podcast to listen to? Oh my God, besides my own? Yes. <laughs> Given that your two are your top two, what are your, what's your other favorite podcast? Oh man. I'm going to reel with you. I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> That's so um, awesome. You just stick to your own craft. That's <laughs> all we um, but I will say, I think I really enjoyed uh, the Time for Coffee podcast, which I injured for. And that was like my first like step into podcasting. So I really want to thank Andrea for like really pushing me into like that. And I was so inspired by my times I created you know on the record and I remember she like I think she like commented on my LinkedIn post and she was like that's a really good title and I really like what you like did and I was like yeah validation I've known a couple other people who've interned there what is time for coffee what did you do as an intern so um when so basically what it is is a like you know networking kind of podcast so she interviews um, Andrea. She interviews people from like all different like levels of industry, like industries and like different roles from like, you know, entry level roles to like CEO roles kind of thing, you know, whatever. Um, and it's super helpful because like you get to hear different, you know, stories and uh, different like jobs and like, you know, pe- what people do and, you know, all those things. So when I was an intern, what I did was I uh, cut a little bit audio and I transcribed stuff for her website and like I did things for her, you know. Um, that was a fun experience. And I did that this past summer, which I'm grateful that I accounted for internship experience, which I needed. Yeah, it can be hard to, if you're not directly interested in the journalism broadcast world, it can be hard to find internships sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So the last question of our lightning round that ended up not being as much because we went off on tangents about internships and sunrises. Um, who is your journalism hero and your comedy hero? Ooh, oh man, such a good question. Okay. Ah, I think for journalism, I'm going to go with Alice Piles again. And I think my... Comedy hero would probably be uh, Ali Wong because I just I fell in love with her. Like I really like love her comedy so much. Um, I I got really excited when she came to UMD. It's probably one of my favorite other memories. Like sitting on, I was like really close to her too. Like I was able to see her pretty well, and that was a really fun memory. And Hassan Minaj because like he represents so much of like you know brown comedians and like I like he's so awesome. He yeah. came to UMD too, right? Yeah, he yeah yeah he came during my sophomore year. So I think you were like a freshman or sophomore. I forgot. Um, I think he came like twenty seventeen or so. When that was so long ago, but it was a really fun night because like my, I think my first time like I think attending like a C event kind of thing, and like I went with all my friends who were all like Indian. So it was like really fun to like you know have a stadium packed with like brown peers of mine. So it was like we're all in this together. That's such a cool experience. I love that for you. Okay, so I think that's all the questions that I have for you. 
I've really enjoyed discussing you, Ambi, on your On the Record with Ambi podcast. Thank you for letting me do this. And I'm sorry, I'm not in a more journalistic role, but this is really cool just to get to know you a little bit more because I know, like I said, everyone at Merrill knows you. So thank you for being the presence that you are there, even in lockdown in the virtual world. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I'm, you know, so grateful I met you and connected with you. And, you know, you've also done amazing things. You literally inspire my photography so much. Literally, I like, whenever I do photography, I'm like, what would Susanna do? That means the absolute world. Thank you so, so much. Of course. You're probably one of my favorite people at Merrill. So I'm like, I, I, much respect for you. And I, like, I love the fact that you were able to do this. I'm like, this is so much fun to be like the interviewee for once. <laughs>